Hello and welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling and I'm a certified health coach and founder of PCOS Diva. My mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. And if you haven't already, please make sure to check out PCOSDiva.com because there I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, and Instagram as well. So today I have the honor of talking with Dr. Keisha Ewers about PCOS and how it can affect our libido and what we can do about it. So welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast, Dr. Keisha. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me on. Well, let me give our listeners uh, just a, a little bit of your background. Um, you are a board-certified functional and Ayurvedic medical practitioner, as well as a doctor of sexology, family practice, ARNP, and that's an advanced registered nurse practitioner, and a certified psychotherapist. So I think, you know, as a doctor of sexology, you're certainly qualified to talk about this subject. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun subject because no one's talking about it. It needs to be talked about. So I always love opening up this conversation. Well, you know, I want to talk, um, you know, one of the questions I definitely want to address, uh, and maybe we'll just jump in with this, is the, the pill and its impact on libido. Because as you know, so many women with PCOS are given the pill as kind of a, a therapy, but I think of it as really more of a Band-Aid um, for PCOS and their PCOS symptoms. And, um, you know, I know when I was on the pill, it certainly affected my libido, and it really took me a long time post-pill to get it back. So maybe you can kind of talk about that um, for those um, women listening that are on the pill or have been on the pill. So this is such a, oh, such a great topic that you're bringing up. Taking the hormonal birth control pill can really mess with your testosterone levels. So most of the methods that we have releases hormones that stop ovulation. So when you're using the pill or the ring or the patch or the shot or the implant, um, and you're not actually ovulating every month, that's great because that's the birth control that you're looking for, but it's also messing with your hormones that are in charge of uh, saying, oh, I want to have sex, right? So this is a problem. And the, the other thing that can be affected is are your dopamine levels in your brain. Women have to have good, adequate um, levels of dopamine in order to fill desire. So... When the birth control pill is actually starting to affect even teenagers. You know, we're giving it to people that are younger and younger, and they're staying on it for a lot longer than has, was historically uh, the case. And so now we have a lot of really young women walking around at a time in their lives when, um, you know, libido is supposed to be sort of your natural birthright and part of life on planet Earth and human as we know it, and it's messing with it. So, you know, I I never prescribe birth control pill. <laughs> there are other ways to do birth control. So I will usually recommend that you get fitted for a diaphragm or do 
a non-hormonal IUD, or if you're finished um, with childbearing years and you say, okay, my family's here and I'm done, then to have a tubal ligation, have your partner have a vasectomy, you know, and just stop putting that into your body. Yeah, and conceivably, you know, a woman with PCOS could be on the birth control from like age 15 until her early 30s when she's ready to, you know, now you know, get pregnant and may, may not even know she has PCOS until coming off of the pill and then might be diagnosed. Um, so what, for someone um, that has been on the pill for so long, um, what, what can kind of be done to sort of reclaim that, that sense of, um, uh, you know, even its femininity, I think, for a lot of women with PCOS, um, and that certainly plays a role into, you know, feeling desirable. Um, but, you know, what do you coach your patients? Or maybe you can give us some tips. Sure. So I, I'd like to sort of circle back to the beginning of what yeah. libido even represents and why it's so important. Um, the word desire is a Latin word that actually means from the stars. And so the way that I think about desire is your desire for your whole life, you know, from the stars. It's, it's what's your life purpose here on the planet. What is it that um, is your, I'm going to say, use the word God, but your God-given, you know, birthright and purpose for being here. And that passion infuses you to do that, you know, your life work, your life path, whether it's mothering, coaching, uh, writing, marathon running, what is it? You know, what's the thing that inspires you? If you don't have desire for that, then you're not filled with the amount of vitality that you need to be living your life in the most juicy way that you can. And so, you know, to me, libido becomes more of kind of a, a gauge, like your gas gauge on the dashboard of your car. If it's low, if, you know, it's the same as having a, a nothing in left in your tank. And if you're driving a car and there's nothing left in your tank, you know you have to stop pretty quickly, pull over, and go to a filling station and fill up, or you're going to be broken down the side of the road. And what we do instead of filling up, pulling over, and taking care of ourselves, right, with some self-care, we will grab dark chocolate if we're super attuned and, and on the healthier track or a pastry or a Red Bull or a coffee, you know, and, and try and get our energy levels that way. And then what happens is you do break down on the side of the road and eventually because you're not taking care of your tank. So, so for me, when I'm talking to a woman, it's not going to just be about, obviously, the birth control pill when we start talking about level of desire. I'm saying if you used to have a good sex drive with your partner and liked having sex with your partner and you know that this is an intimate uh, connection that has brought your relationship a lot of health and joy, there's so many healthy, amazing aspects that come from having sex. And if you know that you've been there before and it's now gone, then we address it from from one direction. If I ask a woman, well, when's the last time that you did have a sex drive that you were satisfied with? This is usually a woman that's coming in asking me for bioidentical hormone replacement. And I'll say, well, when's the last time you had, um, you know, a sex drive that you wanted? And if she says, I never have had one and starts crying, 
then I start asking questions like, is there a history of abuse? Did you have a um, fairly stressful childhood? Adolescence? Was college tough for you? You know, and, and stories will come out as a result of that question that are just heartbreaking. And so, or I've I've never, I've been fighting with my weight. You know, a lot of times people with PCOS have been, and they use that word, fighting, fighting with their weight, and have been somewhat at odds with their bodies from at least adolescence forward. So when I'm coaching somebody in my office around this, I'm looking at five root causes for low libido. And they're going to be anywhere from physical, like you're on a medication that's affecting it, because Another thing that will happen is a lot of women are put on antidepressants. And, of course, the number one side effect for that is low libido. Uh, surgeries, birth control pills, you know, um, illnesses like uh, Hashimoto's thyroiditis or any other autoimmune disease or hypothyroidism, you know, all these will affect libido level because they're impacting your gas tank. So you're looking under physical, you're looking in mental places is, is there a body image issue? Are you at war with your body or are you in a collaborative relationship with your body? Um, do you feel safe, you know, with the opposite sex? Do you feel safe with same sex? What's going on mentally for you with your beliefs about your sexuality? Those were created in childhood and adolescence, and so those can impact your level of desire. They can be in the emotional arena. Maybe there's some trauma in the past. And, you know, Amy, <laughs> I say that every single person comes out of childhood with trauma. And it's not necessarily sexual abuse. That's my history. Um, when I was 10, I was sexually abused by the vice principal of my elementary school. But that's not everybody else. You know, so if people will hear that and go, oh, you know, that's a huge trauma. But if you had a group of friends on the playground one day and the next day they reject you, that's trauma too. You know, right. so it's part of the process of growing up is to go through these experiences of rejection that feel terrible or failure, you know, failing a test or not being good at something and taking on this message that I'm not good enough. All of these things actually impact your desire for your life. And then the, the um, fourth root cause will be in spiritual area. Sometimes people are raised in a religion where desire is a sin from the pulpit, right? And they hear that over and over and over again, and they're expected to repress all of that and then get married and all of a sudden be able to turn the faucet on. Well, that's not really reasonable, right? So... You know, there's this kind of angel whore complex that can happen inside of religions that say sex is bad, sex is a sin, unless you do it in these certain paradigms. So there's that piece. Um, there's also just a cultural story that can occur, too. Did you get raised in a sex-positive household or a sex-negative household? In other words, did you were you able to talk freely at the dining room table with your family about age-appropriate aspects of your sexuality as you were developing? Was that just part of the family conversation or was it hush-hush? And then the fifth root cause will be in what I call your libido story. And that's as you were going through your human growth and developmental stages in childhood, um, what were the meanings that you made up around different sensual, sexual body experiences that you then 
created beliefs around that you carry forward into adulthood and get an opportunity to reframe if you do it with intention. So it's a really complex subject for women. You know, men, we have this, this whole arousal paradigm that happens, right? Masters and Johnson identified it in the 1950s and 60s in their groundbreaking research, and they, and they applied it to men and women, but it's mostly men that run this way, where there's desire, then there's arousal, then there's an orgasm, and then there's a refractory rest period. And you can see that on a man, right? The, the penis shows the whole thing. <laughs> well, with a woman, it's really different. And we have all kinds of different motivations for engaging intimately with somebody. And that could be emotional connection. It could be kind of like cuddles and, and that closeness. It could be wanting to be ravaged. And that'll be one day of the month that you feel that way. And then you'll feel all cuddle snuggle the next day of the month. And so it, it's very different for women because our hormone levels our context of our lives are so different. Our brains are wired differently than men's are. So that's, that's why I do this whole program for this, because you can see there's so much here, right? Oh, yeah. And, and it's, you, know, you hit upon several um, topics. I was kind of writing them down that, I, I, that it sort of parallel what I'm hearing from women with PCOS. Um, I find sort of this common thread certainly fighting with your body. Um, yes. that, that really resonates. You know, you're growing hair where you shouldn't be growing it, and you can't lose, like you said, fighting to lose the weight. Um, you know, you're the, the, acne. Acne, the hair yeah. loss, you know, yeah. all of it. It's like, okay, I have this body that has sort of betrayed me. Um, right. And it, you know, having to shift to a place, and it's not, takes a lot of work to do that, to sort of embracing your body and beginning to love it so it will love you back, so to speak. And then I also find that women who are really struggling with PCOS have lost um, their connection with creativity. And I, and I think you sort of described it with things that make them feel vital um, and, and trying to rediscover that so you can kind of experience that, that flow state when you're doing something that you really love to do. Um, and, and that, there's a real disconnection from that for a lot of women. And, and I can see now how that can really, could really affect your libido. Right. So it was great that you've kind of um, described your five pillars. So there's, a, there's another component to this, and it's our brains. And this was a fascinating thing that came out of my research when I was going through my doctoral work. I looked at, I did a research study. I called it the HURT study, which is Healing Unresolved Trauma Study. And I asked women, because I was seeing this in my office, and there was nothing in the medical literature to reflect what I was seeing in my office. I asked women, do hurts, emotional wounds, that somebody comes along and presses, you know, on in current day, these things that happened a long time ago, impact your willingness to have sex? And as a woman, it seemed like, no, duh. Yeah, of course. You know, if, if my partner forgets my birthday and... I'm not going to really be in the mood to have sex with him that night, right? And so <laughs> there was nothing in the medical literature that actually talked about this phenomenon, and it was, it's all focused around hormones or this idea that um, there's a pill, the pink Viagra, you know, something that's going to solve women's libido by taking it every morning. And I was 
you know, in my clinical work saying, no, this is, women are so complex, there's just no way. So as I started delving through the research and looking at PET scans, you know, PET images of brains and different studies that have been done in this arena, I found as I mapped the brain that the same parts of the brain that are required for women to have libido are the exact same parts of the brain that are co-opted or lit up when there's chronic daily stress or PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Same brain injury if you feel that you're overwhelmed day in and day out as if you've had a big trauma like in the adverse childhood experiences study that was done between 1995 and 1997, 17,000, over 17,000 people were looked at and over two-thirds of them reported like some form of neglect or abuse that then the researchers tied into, oh, this is actually causing some of the chronic illnesses that we see in adulthood. These are linked. People with more perception of trauma get sicker in adulthood. And what I found is that they also don't have libido. And that's, that made so much sense to me when I started thinking about what libido actually is as a measurement of your vitality. So our brains change if we think we're stressed. Now that was huge because, you know, you hear this all the time, the Wonder Woman complex. Women kind of, have, we have ourselves painted into a corner where we think we have to bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan, and look hot at the same time. And we're strung out and burned out and overscheduled and taking our kids, you know, hither and thither and yawn and we can hardly breathe. Well, of course you're not going to feel like having sex, right? You got nothing left in the tank. And so that was a fascinating thing to see. And the, the great news about that is that that brain change that happens on these images, you can actually heal it. And... Well, that, that to me, is true freedom, right? Oh, we have this neuroplasticity in our, in our brains that we can actually heal this if we put some focused intention on it. That's why I did this program. It's like, oh, you can heal every one of these things. That's, that's amazing, and that's empowering. And so then that means that just like we're not a victim of our trauma, we're not a victim of our genetics, we're not a victim of our circumstances, we actually have the power, if we put attention and consider ourselves important enough mm -hmm. to heal. Yeah, and that just fits in with my whole diva philosophy. That, I know. <laughs> and it's beautiful. Um, and I love, I, I love this um, saying that you have, and, it, and it's, um, you know, what you just explained, it's so true. What's in your head goes to your bed. <laughs> yep. With, and, and and I think um, if you think of us all like on a um, you know evolutionary sort of animal level, that we why would we want to procreate if we felt like we were being chased by the tiger, right? Right. Um, and it's not it's not only why would we want to. Our bodies say you cannot. If you're a zebra being chased by a lion and you think you're going to get eaten, it's not even about a choice. Your body says. I can't keep you alive, I'm not going to reproduce. So every amount of hormone that would go towards desire, which is what's the precursor of reproduction, goes away. It gets reallocated to your adrenal glands to keep you in survival mode. 
So you don't even have a choice. You know, and that's the thing about running around overwhelmed all the time. Your body believes you're getting chased by a lion. Yeah, and, and, and as women with PCOS, we have elevated cortisol, um, yep. you know, non-women, and adrenal issues, and, and that's why it's so essential that we, we learn to take care of ourselves, um, you know, and, and I love that you brought that connection to libido. It's not something that just magically um, comes back, like you said, with a pink pill. Um, right. So... For those women that are listening that are really struggling with feeling feminine, um, how would you coach them? So it depends on what feeling feminine means. What do you mean by that? Well, I think it goes back to that, that you know, feeling like your body's betrayed you. You know, you ah, don't feel okay, stop like... with that right there because that's a huge one and I see it in my office all the time. If you have made up the meaning and have the belief that your body has betrayed you, then your behaviors are going to, that result from that belief, are going to be, like I said earlier, more combative with your body and not in collaboration with. And you'll do a lot of self-sabotaging behaviors. So, so if you believe that, that your body has betrayed you, that's where you heal first. And that's the part that you ask, is that really true? has my body betrayed me or is my body just trying to get my attention and I haven't been listening and in fact I've betrayed my body because I've tuned out from it and I've been doing all this self-sabotaging behavior. So ask, is that really true that my body betrayed me? Because it's actually not possible for your body to betray you. Your body gives you feedback. And it starts really early with very quiet little tugs on your skirt, you know, like a little toddler is trying to get mommy's attention. And it'll be something like um, a coating on your tongue or constipation or um, dry hair or acne, you know. It's like those early signs. And if you don't pay attention and say, what do you need, body? You know, and I always say, test, don't guess. If you don't go get some testing done that's actually functional medicine-style testing rather than go get your TSH checked, um, then you won't know what the body's trying to tell you. And that's the, I think, criminal part of our medical model is that we're not taught to listen to our bodies in that way. We're actually taught to think in terms of betrayal. So Ayurvedic medicine, which is a 10,000-year-old model of medicine that's the sister science mm -hmm. of yoga that came out of India all that long ago, actually, actually identified that we're not all the same way back then, which is sort of revolutionary with the um, science of genetics today and epigenetics and nutrigenomics are saying, oh, we're not all the same. But they knew this a long time ago and said, you know, your body's giving you feedback all the time. And if you're out of balance, all you have to do is do these, these small corrections, like an airplane that's going off course. The pilot's got to get it back on course. It's just a tiny little correction. And then you're back in balance again. But we don't think that way in our model of medicine. We go by match drug to symptom. And we get so far out of balance that our plane's taking a nosedive and is in crash and burn by the time we pay attention. So 
that's part of what I teach, is how to listen to the quiet, tiny voices your body's trying to, to communicate with you through. Then you're not in that, oh, my body's betrayed me. You're in that, oh, body, you're trying to get my attention. Let me listen to you. Let's be a team, right? Let me figure out what you need and give that to you. And then your body gives back this amazing strength of carrying your spirit around in your life path. So it's such a gift and a blessing to have a body. So when you're in a combative relationship with it, nobody wins. Right. No, and, and it's so true. Um, you know, I, I would love, before we run out of time, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about how um, we can work with you, you know, through your five steps to kind of help, to help us regain our, our vitality and our libido. Sure. Um, I have this program called the Libido Cure. And it's seven different modules, and you do it at your own pace, and you can drop into it at any time. And what you get is you join this incredible, vital tribe of women that are already taking it, and you can—it's yours forever. So you can keep returning back. You'll—you'll you'll see in the tribe and the private group these women saying, "Okay, I'm going through it again, and this is what I learned this time," you know. And it's like layer upon layer, because as you've heard. This is all about healing from the inside out, from all these different layers of meanings and beliefs you created when you were a kid. So you get that amazing supportive community, and then, and then these seven modules that have videos, a bunch of tracking tools, a lot of um, material and lecture. It's just a really amazing program that goes through each of those five areas I was talking about. In addition to a lot of relationship work, I'm a psychotherapist as well as a um, medical provider. And so, you know, the number one reason for women to have low libido is actually if they have uh, dissatisfaction in their relationships. Women get really stressed about that. So there's, there's that component, too. And then healing some of these old beliefs, and like we just talked about with the body betrayal piece. There are many of those and how to rework them and reframe them and heal them. So it's really, it's really an amazing program. Oh, it, it, it sounds wonderful. And, um, and, and I love that it really makes that um, kind of mind-body connection and touches upon all of those facets of being a diva. So I, I really highly recommend um, you know, those listening that are struggling with uh, libido that you work with the expert. I mean, Dr. Keisha um, has been doing this for a long time and is really, um, you know, from a functional perspective and a root cause perspective, and um, you know, she's somebody that I would work with for sure. Um, well, I'm going and, to and give your group, your tribe, Amy, just because I feel so grateful that you work with people in the way that you do. You're doing such amazing work. I'll, I'll um, give you a link that you can use with this podcast for your tribe that will give them a discount. Oh, excellent. Yeah, and we will post that right below the podcast recording um, for everyone that's listening. Well, thank you so much. Sure. Thanks so much for having me on. I love talking about this and helping women become their own diva. That's such a great way of saying it. Well, I'm so happy that you joined us, and thank you, everyone. 
um, for listening to our podcast today. I hope that you enjoyed it. And if you liked the episode, please don't forget to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes or wherever you might be listening to the show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I love to hear from you. And if you think of someone else that might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a family member or a friend so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free newsletter. Just enter your email at pcosdiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health, and I look forward to being with you again soon. Bye-bye.